everyone. My name is Marielle, and I am the founder of Travel Experiences Reimagined, the podcast for travel enthusiasts, wanderlusts, and adventure seekers, craving to learn more about tours and excursions from all over the world through the eyes of a new tour guide or host each episode. Hi, everyone. When it comes to Tuscany, what immediately comes to mind? Those beautiful vineyards, the fantastic wine, the scenery, the food? A girl can dream. But what if you wanted those dreams to come true? Where you are on a beautiful vineyard, sipping delicious wine, and learning how wine is made with a tour guide who has extensive background in the tourism industry. That's right, we have a treat for you today with our guest on today's episode with Stefano, who owns his tourism business called Out of the Box Florence, where he started the first wine trek experiences in Tuscany for people to come, admire, and drink the beautiful wine that Tuscany has to offer, along with other fantastic tours that he offers in Florence. Welcome, Stefano. Did I miss anything? No, it was brilliant. Thank you, Mario, for the, your kind words. It was beautiful. I love your voice, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much. That made my day. Thank you. Thank you. So I love to start every episode with a little bit of your background in terms of have you lived in other places? What have you done prior to being a tour guide? Just to give the listeners a little bit of an idea of who you are. Okay, I will start. First, uh, thanks so much, Mario, to host me here. And uh, I hope uh, so I'm Italian, so I might do some mistakes with uh, with some like some words. If I made up some new words, just let me know. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's okay. I'm easy to invent new words that, that doesn't exist. So my uh, Stefano. Stefano was born in Tuscany, and about half an hour away from Florence, between Florence and Pisa. I grew up with my grandparents. And because I lost my, my parents when I was very young, I was 10. And then so my grandparents look after me and my sister. And I grew up as a, as a farmer. My both grandparents had a little patch of land. We used to make wine and olive oil. For a while, even chickens. <laughs> so I had all the experience to be a boy chickens. And um, then uh, I left my grandparents when I was 24, 25. I lived in Spain. For a couple of years, uh, actually, I've been traveling all through Spain. Uh, lived a base in Granada, but I was studying, and I was working for a museum. And I was working for the museum of uh, Museo de las Cuevas. It's in the in the historical neighborhood of uh, Granada in the Albaicín. They have beautiful caves where the, everyone lives in there, and uh, so they they have a museum out the uh, Gypsy for a while, and then how the people that weren't welcomed in Granada they lived inside these these caves, and now it's full of hippies and and young guys. They, they try to have a cheap place to stay, <laughs> and there's, there's no better place than a cave, <laughs> quite cheap <laughs> to stay. No no heating needed, and so and and no and no Wi-Fi. So it's very very like uh, unusual life. So I lived in Spain, um, then I moved back to Florence. Where since uh, 2009, I'm um, living and working uh, different jobs. And now I've been a tour guide for 12 years. And then, uh, so now I started my own idea of tourism, my own business. Uh, the, it, it is the tiniest, the smallest tour business <laughs> that we have <laughs> in the world. Just me and doing, uh, I am uh, the social media manager 
I'm the owner. I'm the 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 hiking guide. I'm the one smelly. <laughs> so we've got different skills all combined together. That's okay. And and thank you for sharing your story. By the way, I'm I'm so sorry about your parents. You know, you lost them at such a young age. But it's great that you did have your parent grandparents. Excuse me, around. And your story is interesting in terms of your upbringing and being on a farm and then moving away to Spain to be a part of museums and also living in a cave, which is quite interesting. But then you ended up in Florence. And in terms of you traveling, what made you actually want to go back to Florence? Many things. First, I had to look after my my grandparents and then my actual wife. She said, uh, come back now or never. So in, I kind of just came back and said, okay, uh, I had my, <laughs> I had my kind of good uh, life. So I just come back to France and then uh, I need to find a proper job. I finished my university because I have a university degree in tourist business. So, so I had to come back to France to finish my studies. I had like probably five exams left. So I did all the exams and then did, did my, my final speech in front of the professors. That because uh, I have my degree in tourist business, actually in Italy it's called the economy and management of tourism enterprises, and I choose to um, uh, obtain my degree in sociology of tourism. And one uh, is always fascinating me how societies develop and spread, and how tourism impacts on society. Different types of tourism that you can have and all the different parks in the different societies. And uh, I brought the example of uh, Egypt <clears throat> and other like, uh, like, you know, like second world countries, call it or whatever. Uh, I don't want to offend anybody here about countries, just like to make you understand uh, what, what my university final exam was about. So I was studying the impact of the tourism they had in countries where, say, under development, let's say. So not in the European countries, but could be Egypt, could be Thailand, uh, whatever, and, and, and how uh, the big corporation going there and all the key positions that are still owned by Europeans or Americans or Australians, Canadians, or coming from the from the first world countries and the others they're still doing all the all the, the less paid jobs. So it's, that's why it's many, many reasons why I came back to France. That's so interesting. And, and thank you for sharing that. And to your point in terms of tourism, I do feel when you travel to a certain place, there's a reason you go there, right? I think of going to Italy, you think of the food, maybe you want to do a food tour, you think of the history, you want to see the Vatican, you're going to go do maybe a tour of the Vatican. So I think when you think of tourism, it spirals out to so much more and it affects so much more of the economy. So I do find that thought very interesting. And in terms of the tour, what made you want to start your own tour company? Uh, even the uh, the idea to have less of an impact in, in uh, on our earth. I was doing for 10 years uh, big bus tours. You know, I, I loved it. I enjoyed it. It's very uh, fulfilling. I learned many things. And I could not be the person that I am now without 12 years in, in the business. But, you know, when COVID arrived, I look back to myself and say, well, okay, this is what you've done. I have two little girls, one eight and four. And I thought, um, when they're looking at me, I said, I cannot really lie to them. So I was like, these girls, you probably have to face 
way a bigger challenge than just a virus and it will be climate changing and the earth will be not as welcoming as it was before with the massive social uh, problems from the poor countries and even into the rich countries. <clears throat> so COVID ar- arrived, the, the mass tourism completely stopped and the people stopped flying. And then I thought uh, they could, had time off for, for thinking. You know, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> it's good to not have too much, too much time off, but when you have time off for, for thinking, you always uh, realize what life is about. You're thinking what your life has been, what, what, what were your dreams when you were young? I mean, I grew up with, because I never wanted a phone, I never wanted cell phones. I lived uh, in the caves, I lived in hippie villages in Spain, and uh, always tried to think out of the box. I always kind of lived out of the box these 10 years in the big bus. In. So is that where the name came from? <laughs> is yes, that how yes. the name happened? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. there's the name came out, out of the box, Florence, because I want to, show Florence in out-of-the-box way, different, different way, putting on my, uh, as you call it, extensive uh, expertise. <laughs> I love this. No, I, uh, I, I love that. And and that's so, okay, I, I love the name then, out-of-the-box Florence, because that's so interesting of that name. To me, it, it almost sounds just, when I think of out-of-the-box, I think of a different experience in terms of just out-of-the-box thinking. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah. it, it makes you think of the world in a different place. So I'd love to go into your actual tours. I took a look at your website. I think it's fantastic what you've done. Um, I love how easy it is. I loved how one of your tours, the Giant Chianti Classico Crossing, you also include videos a little bit, almost like a teaser, which I really like. So I would suggest everyone to look at the website. But in terms of the other tours that you offer, can you go into a little bit of a summary of each of the tours and experiences that you offer? Because they're they're quite interesting. And so I'd love for you to talk about them. Absolutely. Thank you uh, for having to, if you took a look at my website, I have two main activities open and I hope this winter to be able to open the one and ever and uh, an itinerary even in Cinque Terre. I know Cinque Terre very well, but I want to do something different. So not like just where everybody does. So I need some time to go there and explore running it basically up and down to see which path it is the best, which one to have a different feeling instead of being trapped in those little villages full of tourists. I want to see, uh, I want to show them from, from above. So Cinque Terre tour will be the upcoming for 2022, sorry. And I hope we'll be able to release it next year. And then being a solo so by myself, uh, as soon as one book my tour, it will automatically close the others. And I have the other two, one is in Florence. It's called Florence at Your Feet. Uh, just uh, it's a hiking and wine experience on the hills around Florence and Tuscany. And it's funny because it, when people come to Florence and say, when can you show me Florence, uh, Tuscany? Say, so you are in Tuscany because Florence is the capital of Tuscany. So you're already in Tuscany. But the people dream about Tuscany, the rolling hills, the vineyards, the olive groves. And I have organized Florence at your feet. You can find on my, my website. It's already available to book. And it's an ex- experience but we start from a little town called Fiesole, and it was an old Etruscan and then, then Roman town. 
and then from there we hiked through the hills overlooking down the dome. I know that everyone comes to France to see the dome, but I want to show you the dome instead of in front, exactly, in front of the door of the dome, I want to shoot the dome from far away, from the hills. But it's not as so big that literally in 10 minutes driving, you can see it with a different perspective. And you have the, the idea of how the valley where France is built, why the dome was built there, why it was so big. And it gave a totally a different idea, a different perspective of the city. And, uh, and I, I created this experience on purpose just to show you how Florence could be so different. And uh, instead of being in front of the dome where roughly every year before COVID, the 14 million tourists used to stay, you can see it with probably about hundreds have <laughs> seen the dome from the perspective. And I play a lot with the fact of uh, unique spots don't deliver unique experiences. So you can see the dome in a nice way, in a, in a unique way, where not many have been. You've been, you came to France because, to me, you come to France because it is a famous place. But once you, you're here, you have the chance to, to, to do things out of the box. Well, the, the like, so you have a better idea of uh, in famous buildings like the dome. I do. So this, the Florence experience is just, so it's called Florence at your feet. You go from town Fiesole to a town called Settignano. And then I spot a secret bench. After we saw the view on the dome, we walk through the uh, quarries where there's uh, ancient stone used for the, for the streets in, in Florence's quarry. It's called the Pietra Serena. So we see quarries, we see the, the view, we see and we walk through the square where the famous Leonardo da Vinci had his first attempt to fly. So you also you will learn how Leonardo built his, his machine and then uh, a crazy, probably drunk volunteer <laughs> got on his machine and, and tried to fly. <laughs> That's so interesting. I, I actually didn't know that. And I'm sure a lot of listeners may have not known that either. So I think that's a great tip. And another question I have in terms of your tours, are all of your tours public tours? And how many people do you have as a capacity on each tour? Uh, so far, they're only private. It is a nice, nice question, Mario, because sometimes it's hard to uh, make this, this port coming out. So far, they're all private. So all the people that came, the two three or four, but just one group. But the options will be private and like open space. So the open space about maximum is seven people per tour. And my dream, as soon as got some clients, cost some clients coming through, I hope it will be next year. I want to um, make out of the box France as the first company, the first tour operator, completely zero emissions. Because I want to buy an electric minivan and uh, so we only the transfer, so electric transfer, get off the, the minivan with like with the eight seats, so like seven clients and one and plus me driving. Uh, so just electric transfer, so you don't emit any uh, CO2 in the air. You walk all day, so Florence at your feet is just half day trip. You have a half day walk back on, on the electric minivan and then take you down. So you, you don't overcrowd the city center. You will be on an electric minivan, I hope, as soon as possible. <laughs> so if you're coming next year, if you don't see the electric minivan, but you still see my car 
or uh, I rented van, then <laughs> don't don't kill me. I'm just trying to. <laughs> I don't think anyone would kill you, but okay, I'm good. I'm intrigued by this because I think a lot of people are looking into sustainable tourism. And so, for you, what does that what does sustainable tourism mean to you? And beside doing the electric van, how else do you plan on implementing doing sustainable tourism in all of your tours? It is. It could be a long story. Try to make it short. Uh, imagine when we are in uh, France, it's not like uh, doing sustainable tourism in Kenya. You're in Kenya, of course, going to see tribes, which is, is already kind of sustainable. Being in France, we already developed. So uh, when I talked before about electric minivan, it's the best that you can get in by now. It's not the best solution because in terms of sustainable, imagine even taking a flight from New York to come to Florence, but stay a week here in, in terms of the earth is not sustainable. But once you get here, the best that I can do is to make sustainable a less impact on in, of the city of Florence. So taking it away from the center, giving an electric transfer, you use your feet, walk it, and you should take back. So th- this half day, or when we talk about uh, the, uh, the, the great Chianti Classico crossing or the Cinque Terre, you would just have like one day or whole half day where you don't emit any CO2 in, in the air. It is the best solution that we have by now. Sure. And I think that's really great you're doing that. I think more and more companies are looking to do that as well. And right, we're not going to get this perfect. It's not going to be all of a sudden we're going to get, you know, magic and it's going to happen and poof, you know, CO2 is gone and we're going to make the planet better and click three clicks, you know. I think it's going to take a lot of time, but... It's people like you making little efforts every day, right? It's it's doing something 1% better every day to move the needle. So I love that you're doing that. And I'd love to go into it. So I looked at the Great Chianti Classico Crossing tour. And one of the things I love is a lot of times for tours, and I'm going to talk food and, food and wine for a second, you typically go to a restaurant or you go to a bar, you try a couple wines, maybe you get a little bit of history and that's it. But what I love about your particular wine experience, you go one step above that where not only are they trying the wine, but they're in a beautiful vineyard. And not only that, but you also offer how to make it. Do you work with local wineries? How how does that process work? And also the tour as well for people to experience. Uh, The the Great Canty Classical Crossing, it is like a proper pure wine trek experience. And I plan the itinerary crossing through like beautiful ancient path roads and through vineyards. But on top of that, the clients they will be walking through the Concadoro, that is the main wine land inside the Chianti Classico wine region. So it's not Chianti, it's Chianti Classico, it's the oldest, so the second oldest wine region in the in the world, it's the oldest wine, wine region of Italy. And they're gonna be walking. It's in the most important, uh, through the most important vineyards of the, of the uh, Chianti Classico. They were stopping three uh, family-run uh, wineries where they, they, will, they will see how they make wine, they will explain how they make wine. And in the last stop, they will, they will see the most uh, modern techniques to select grapes, to press grapes, first press, press by gravity, concrete tanks, uh, stainless steel vat. Uh, wooden barrels that we every single place will explain they will put their own life behind making wine so they, the clients will experience 
the families that they are making wine and all the uh, their knowledge and the three different because the first place only makes four thousand bottles and he's, this guy is a twenty three years old and he's trying to take over his uncle the winery so you, you can see it's a tiny a tiny little place but the building itself is from the twelve hundred as the oldest building that you, that you have in the whole town. And it was at Roma Road that we used to, to go through his, his house. So you see this top of history, you will get there by foot. Uh, we start from a church that's from the ninth century, through vineyards, get to the first place. Ever wine tasting, back through the vineyards, or through the Concadoro to get uh, a lunch with grandma that is serving us lunch. A grandma, like an actual grandma, yeah, she makes an, you the lunch. Yeah, an actual <laughs> grandma makes lunch. Oh, that's so sweet! I love that. What does she make? Any everything? <laughs> it's, I, honestly, I don't know what she makes because I let her doing whatever she she is, whatever she wants. Uh, normally, it's a pasta with with tomatoes, and they go two different kind of bruschettas. Sometimes uh, when they're in seasons, she gives figs and honey. She gives some cheese. Uh, last time. Uh, normally, when the clients are having lunch, I'm running back to get the car and to park the car into the last winery and then heading back to clients. Because the Chianti Classico is not a, a, like one of those boring round trips. It's an extra crossing. So we keep on moving forward. So when I leave the car in, in the morning, well, actually, when I leave the car, the, the clients will have a glass of Prosecco in, in, in the morning. Just to start the the, the one second <laughs> <laughs> so, around nine o'clock, when we talk about history and wines, they will have a welcoming and amenities of uh, a glass of um, bubbles, uh, and then I leave the car party there, and then uh, I would take the car uh, while the clients had having lunch. I would take in the car to the last winery, so and it's still going to be ready to uh, to drive the car and head back to France. So I don't know actually what they're having for lunch. I know because once I've been there and she had cook because actually she cooked in her kitchen. So she wow. had cook, uh, uh, ribolisa as a kind of as a bread, uh, black cabbage soup, typical of uh, Florence. And so actually she, she cooked for herself and she said, do you want it? Said, of course, clients will love it. So the clients said, they have whatever, pasta with tomatoes and ribolita. And then her, her son, Francesco, is the guy that runs the winery and he does and just like wines linked with the tradition. So he does traditional grapes. Then no others are doing, like canaiolo, uh, black canaiolo in, uh, like, it's called, in, in purezza. It means like pure, 100% canaiolo. He does 100% Sangiovese wine. It is the main grape used in the, in the Chianti Classico wine region. And he does a black Malvasia grape, grappa, and others. So when wow. they lunch, so uh, <laughs> I go to the clients uh, when almost lunch is finished, and they all seem very happy and enjoy. It. And then I, t- I take them to the last winery. It's a, it's a much modern and all the modern techniques. Great, great Chianti Classico, and they can they can they can try four wines because at the end of the day, clients will go, I think it's kind of twelve wines, something like that, wow. and, um, and they never really counted. So, <laughs> anyway, so you're pretty much drunk, full, and very happy at the end of this tour is kind of what I'm hearing, which I, I think if yes. nobody's sold by this, I don't know. That sounds like a dream to me. Yes. I, I, I think that's fantastic. I also love that not only you make the wine or you can learn how to make it, but 
I love the grandma aspect in terms of the food. I think that is so wholesome Italian. You know, I have an old neighbor of mine. She's, God bless her, she's 91. And for many years, you know, she's old school Italian out of Bologna. (laughs) And her tomato sauce was incredible. She used to make bread. Everything she made was amazing. And I, I used to joke she was the Italian grandmother I had never had. So I... I personally just, you know, I absolutely love that. I think that's fantastic. I want to go into wine for a second because when I went to Florence, I was not the biggest red wine drinker. I'm not going to lie. I've always liked a white wine. I always felt a little bit lighter, a little bit crisper. But Florence changed my mind. You know, uh, my girlfriend and I went to Florence. We did a whole Italy trip. And in Florence, one of the things that they told us was about Chianti wine Mm -hmm. and that authentic, quote unquote, Chianti wine had the rooster on it. I'd love to know a little bit of the history around that, but then I'd also love to know kind of the top wines that you feel in Florence are the best wines. Uh, it's complicated for tourists when they come into Florence because we have many Chianti, 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 Chianti. About wines, imagine that Italy has got roughly 320 certified wine regions. Wait, 320 certified wine, wine regions? regions? Yep, yep, yep. It's quite, it's quite a lot through there. <laughs> and all these wine regions, I, I don't remember, it's 326, I think. So That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> in, in, increasing. So it's gradually, gradually getting more. It's a lot of wine regions. It's a lot. And imagine they're dividing three categories. D-O-C-G. D-O-C-G stands for D-denomination or origin. C-controlled G-guarantee. Then you have the category of DOC, denomination, origin, controlled. And then you, you have the, the lowest category is the IGT, I, indication, G, geographic, T, typical. In Tuscany, out of 40 to 11, wine regions are DOCG. So when you come to Florence, in order of both of Brunello di Montalcino, Morellino di Scanzano, Noble di Montefulciano, Chianti Classico, they are all DOCG wines. You go Chianti Classico, that is the one that you mentioned before with the Black Rooster, and Chianti. But Chianti DOCG are divided, subdivided in other eight areas. So the Chianti DOCG is not as important, as strong, as uh, I say, uh, renominated as is the Chianti Classico. So many two companies that might take you to Chianti, but it's a cheap Chianti. There's no, nothing against the producer of the Chianti, but many times when you think about Chianti, you think about Chianti Classico. It is the Black Rooster one. It's, it's a Chianti. It's the first Chianti and the real historical Chianti area. No, that, thank you for sharing that because I think... You know, for me, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but a lot of times in Florence, some of the best wine I had, honestly, was the house wine at restaurants. Would you argue that you should just tell people to order the house wine, or do you think there's another wine that they should order when they go out? As a a wine sommelier, there's always the depends on what you're you're eating. But in terms of of eating, the the house wine, where you go a strong acidity, uh, so light and smooth, but refreshing at, at, the, at the same time is parable to almost all the sort of Florentine dishes. It's one of the big mistakes that the tourism, even me when I was when I was younger, 
to order the Florentine steak and Abrunello di Montalcino. It's way by far too strong the Brunello di Montalcino for the, for the Florentine steak. You brought up an interesting point that I want to ask. In terms of pairings then, right, in terms of a Chianti wine or a white wine, Being, in, I'm going to say you know a lot more than I do about this. Can you name me like three pairings in terms of a wine to a food that you think is bellissimo, like perfect? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's say when you go for the fainted steak, you can just go with the with Chianti Classico. It's fine. It doesn't need to be like the reserva. It's a Chianti Classico. And find the state. Uh, one of the kind of weird but ex- good pairing is the Parmesan cheese. And if you just even age, uh, age for longer, like instead like the classic 12 months, you go for 24 months uh, Parmesan cheese with, with Brunello. Lovely, lovely. <laughs> what is Brunello? Is that a red wine? Yeah, it is a famous red wine from Tuscany, from Montalcino. Okay. So Parmesan cheese and Brunello di Montalcino. Fantastic steak and um, Chianti Classico. There yeah, what else? Uh, before I mentioned Ribolita, it's a bread soup, so, so bread, black cabbage soup. Uh, I would say probably goes for, for a nice house wine. Something like acid, something light, that can just clean your palate with, with a little bit of tannins, not too much. Because Is that it, a white or a red wine? It's a red wine. Okay, because Florence is pretty much known for red wine, correct? The only white wine there are is the Vernaccia di San Gimignano, famous, and the Vermentino, produced along the coast of Tuscany. Uh, Vermentino could be good even for the Ribolita, I would say. Sharp acidity, and if it's a good producer, it's a long, persistent finish. So it's nice to clean the chicken broth or vegetable broth. It's good to have a strong, sharp acidity. So Vermentino could be a nice combination with the ribollita, like, uh, you say, a noble di Montepulciano, like a bit like more bolder, and more alcoholic red wine, could be Montalcino, could be noble di Montepulciano, could be Morellino di Scanzano, with a famous dish called the Peposo dell'Impruneta. Mm. It's the, the dish... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is a beef stew. It was invented by the guy that built the dome, Brunelleschi. So it's really nice flavored meat cooked in wine and for a long time. So the, the beef gets juicy and tender. We've got tomato sauce, we've got garlic and lots of pepper, pepper and bay leaves. So something, you need like a long finished red wine with nice structured uh, yes, that's good. That could, that could mm. be a nice option. <laughs> no, that's that's fantastic. And I have a couple more questions as we kind of slowly wrap up here. But another question I have: I know cheese is just huge in Italy. I mean, mm-hmm. we could talk about pizza and pastas and other things, but cheese is really important to Italy. And I'd love to know: can you name me a couple cheeses that you can only find in Florence or Italy? First, I want to to, to break a, a stereotype: Italy is go wider varieties of cheese than France. So even really? France, France is known to be there, but Italy's got different types. Well, how many types then are in Italy versus I, France, if I you can, have an I, idea, I, right? I cannot, <laughs> I cannot remember the number, but there, there are some, some shops, if I remember, they cannot Modena or in Bologna, they cannot have it all, and it's got huge varieties of cheese of Italy, different ones. 
How many do you think? I'm just curious of a number. Oh, so about 200, 250, something like this, but varieties. No, I was going to say, that's a strong claim. You know, France always claims they're, they have a lot more cheese or more variety, but that's a, that's a strong claim to say Italy has more it than France. Is a, it is a, <laughs> it's like it's a big stereotype. Uh, it is uh, not that true. In Tuscany, France, we, we have pecorino cheese. Uh, it's, like it's coming from pecora, from sheep, sheep milk cheese. Then uh, with yeah, this mostly but different types of pecorino cheese. We have you have lots of goats cheese, but uh, it's like they're not like they don't have one specific name. They're made by different producers where they're kind of playing with uh, with the uh, goat cheese. So we goat milk or with the sheep milk to produce a special uh, different type of cheese. But Tuscany is mostly pecorino cheese, so sheep milk cheese. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. And kind of one more question that I have, and it's something I like to ask every episode, is how do you want people to feel after they experience any of your tours in terms of your wine or Cinqueteria or Florence at your feet? Just to, I don't know, do you want people to obviously to feel full and happy um, or just inspired or interested or educated? Just, I'd love to hear your words. I I think the first word that comes to my mind is they are surprised. So they, they would never expect to see in, when we talk about Florence at your feet, to see the dome from their perspective and to walk through such a historical path. Instead, when they go to the Chianti Classico, they are surprised at the fact that they can walk through vineyards all day and get, I think at the end is a maximum seven kilometers. But they, they see the land moving and they're crossing. So they, it, they feel like they're starting point A they go point B, understanding completely. Because when you walk by, when you when you uh, cross something by foot, you understand so much deeply and so much more the uh, the land that you are walking through instead of like driving or you know just going there and uh, just visiting the winery. So surprise, it is the first word. Then of course happy, and kind of like. They felt like a, like a true local. Uh, it's in some way even kind of better than locals because many locals, they're not taking those paths for, for a walk. They're driving their cars. You know what I mean? So they felt, <laughs> <laughs> and they it, was, uh, it is the, the, the same around the, the world, but they felt like they really have discovered something they couldn't have done it without, without me, without a guide, sure. without, without, uh, without my expertise. I think that's really important you said that because a lot of times I right if I were to go to Florence as a tourist I wouldn't know about any of this I wouldn't know where to go I wouldn't know what to do I don't know the language so to have a tour guide especially for tours that you're doing I think it's so imperative it's so important and I love that you said surprise too I think that is something I haven't heard um but I think a lot of people would be surprised and eager and excited to see what you have to offer I'm just I love it. I'm definitely sold. I'm sure other people listening are sold too. And I I always hate to wrap these up because I could talk about food and wine all day. But Stefano, you are absolutely incredible. I love your knowledge and wisdom of Florence and what you've created, I think, out of the box is such a fun name. Uh, it's exciting. It's different. I'd love for you to shamelessly plug away your social media, your website, and most importantly, how people can book you. Yeah, my Instagram is out of the box Florence. Uh, Facebook is out of the box Florence. Yes, 
My website is uh, com. How do you want people to book you? Just through your website? Just through my website. It's way much better because all the big uh, corps like uh, TripAdvisor, Viator, Get Together, and, uh, they're taking at least uh, 28%. Uh, some has got 28 some has 30%, some goes to, to 20 But so when you, if you book directly for like a small company like me, 30% on commissions is so much uh, to pay off. And uh, so just your book through that to also the bossfinance.com for me is like, is so much better. Or just contact me through Instagram. Um, so please, this direct, direct bookings are like, is kind of fresh air for a, a business like, like mine. Yes, I, I appreciate that. And I'm glad you said that too, because I know certain companies, you know, and certain tour guides like TripAdvisor, some don't. So I'm glad you just pointed that out. But um, thank you so much, Stefano, again, for coming on. Um, I, this has been fantastic. I Like I said, I could talk about food and wine all day. So this was wonderful. Thank you so much. My absolute pleasure. And uh, I hope I have the, the chance to spread above my uh, out of the box points idea how to like to travel more cautiously more responsibly and uh, try not to be led by oh I need to do something really famous because they told me to do the best things and uh, try, just try to understand if 40 million tourists go to see the uh, the sunset for Michelangelo Square it's, yeah, it is nice but you know it's just just try to do something the, the others they could not uh, they could not have, have the chance of or, or the talent to look and go and do something different and even unique for yourself and even more uh, rewarding for our earth. Thank you so much for tuning into Travel Experiences Reimagined podcast. Click the subscribe button to learn about a new tour guide or host each week, where you'll find out more about how they got started, talking in detail about their experience, and any fun facts or tips that they'd like to share. Do you have an experience that you would like others to learn about? Whether it is a tour, excursion, adventure, or experience, fill out our form online on our website at www.travelexperiencesreimagined.com for a chance to share your story and experience so others can learn more about what you have to offer. 